want to welcome you all to uh, all of it United Methodist Church, those who may be joining us by way of television and radio. I'm going to ask Bruce to come and share during the service here. But at this time, let us stand as we turn to our opening hymn, Rejoice Ye Pure in Heart, Purple Hymnals, number 160, please. If you feel comfortable standing, you may want to stand, otherwise you may be seated. Let us be seated as we turn to our praise song, and I'm going to have Mike come up and share a real important prayer concern that his wife shared in her Sunday school class, if he can be prepared during the prayer petition. But at this time, let us give thanks. Purple praise number 181, please.
as Mike comes and shares a concern, a prayer concern, and if you would kind of lead us in prayer, Mike, and Tina, if you want to join, Mike, that's fine too. I don't know if you're quite prepared. Again, we want to welcome back Gary and Kathy. We trust that they had a restful time, a restful time, and sometimes it takes a few days to recover from a vacation. Mike, would you share um, the concern that your wife, Tina, raised? Um, and it's so good to have Tina back after a number of Sundays. Mike. I would just like to ask for prayer for Tina's family. One of her relatives killed his five-year-old son, shot him and his wife, and then took his own life. And it's a small town in South Texas, and pray for Tina and, of course, the friends and family that she shares down in Texas because uh, pure, unadulterated evil is what happened. And, and the devil thinks he wins on these, but he doesn't win. We have a comforter. We have a doctor in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He will comfort us. And we, we take up from the fact that we know that that special five-year-old that was unfortunately killed he's so much better off right now he's in the arms of jesus christ so please pray for tina and her family in texas that uh, the friends and the family members take a lot of comfort in the fact that they are in a better better place thank you very much we just heard this prayer request just a few minutes ago and that let's go to prayer father we just want to thank you that God, you hear our prayers, and you don't know, we don't truly understand the motivation and reasons, but it, it seems so demonic and, and, and so outside our understanding, but we serve a, a God that understands and, and brings comfort, and certainly it know, is the Alpha and the Omega in the beginning and the end, and although we just heard about this just seconds or minutes ago, we want to bring it before our television audience as Mike was sharing. And Father, we just want to thank you for our, our Bible study with Ira and Pastor Carpenter. And, and we thank you, Father, that as we come into worship, we can bring our, all our cares and our concerns. And there may be those by way of television that have experienced a, a phenomenal development in their lives. It could be financial. It could be a disastrous effect that we just heard from words of Mike, a relative, and we, we don't comprehend, we don't truly understand, but we, we have a God that understands, and we know not what the circumstances are, but we know, Father, that you're cradling the situation in your hands, and as, as information comes to us, we'll, we'll bring it further to our television prayer audience. We realize, Father, that in, in our own area and in our country and throughout our nation. There's so much strife that's going on. The turbulence in Israel and in Lebanon and, and crisis that's going on in the desert and, and just the total, total destruction of our country and morals for the last six, seven months. We can't comprehend what's, what's going on and what's coming down and it seems like things are totally coming apart, but your word reminds us that when things seem to be coming apart, it's really coming together according to your plan. And we pray, Father, for the Americans, Kabul, and, and other areas of the country that are being evacuated and as troops are being called up and, and the tremendous turmoil and the loss of those, the translators, and, and almost the total disregard of what seems to be going on. And we pray that you would raise up prayer warriors, Lord, to surround our young men and women as they go and provide safety and, and security in a land that is just devastating in Afghanistan and other areas. And it seems like the United States is almost neutered the last few months. And we just pray, Father, that the power of God would, would inspire the, the people to of God to, to pray for those that, that are in need. And we, we come against those forces. We realize your word says that 
our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and forces. And there's people out there that don't understand the powers and forces that are going on to destroy the faith and, and the sovereignty of God and what God really wants his people to do. And we thank you, Father, that we serve a God that never goes on vacation, a God that never sleeps, a God that just is willing to bring safety and security. And we just pray, Father, that just as Noah and his family was provided an ark, that you provide us that ark of protection through Jesus Christ. We want to thank you. We want to praise you for your word. It reminds us that we are grateful for those that are with us by way of radio and television, that this is their only means of, of worship. And we remind them this morning that we're dealing with Luke 9, 1 through 6, Luke 9, 1 through 6. And then next week, Luke 9, 7 through 11, just scripture that reminds us of the important of our, importance of our testimony and witness. And, and as we just have come from Bible study and Iris class and blessing us with just a, the testimony of God's word and the encouragement that these are very discouraging days that we live in, but we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that's really the encourager of our times. We pray a special anointing upon our scripture today, Luke chapter 9, 1 through 6, as you remind us to pray, praying together our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I, at this time, would like to call on our beloved pastor, Many of you have been asking about the last few months and years, and I'd like to have Pastor Bruce Carpenter come, and, it, and if he would share before we turn to um, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. He's pastoring a number of churches, and he's going to be leaving us. He shared with us during the, the Bible study, and um, come, you take over this pulpit here, Bruce. And well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, brother. so glad to those of us that are here. I am so thankful to be standing in the place that I have stood before. And so I am so thankful to God for you. Let me say this as uh, this scripture pops into my mind and it's on my heart. It says in St. John chapter 3, 16, one of the most popular if not the most popular scripture that you'll ever read. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He loved. Love is what love does, so he gave his only begotten son, which is his best, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So I was sitting there and I was reading that scripture over and over and over and over again. And when I walked in the door today, I looked up there and I saw the cross. What a wonderful thing, the cross. And the cross is one of the most powerful things that one could ever be a part of. But uh, as I thought about the cross, it, it reminds me of what God did for each and every one of us. Because we wouldn't need to be here if it wasn't for the cross. We wouldn't have our being if it wasn't for the cross. Well, what did the cross give us? It gave us life everlasting. If we had to pay the price for some of the bad days that we had, We'd be in a terrible position, terrible position. But God, through the cross, gave us life. There is a story. And after I tell you the story, I'm going to sit back down. There is a story of a young boy. I had my grandson and Miss Brenda, uh, you know how she is with her grandchildren. 
My grandson is a little antsy. Sometimes you lose him if you don't keep your eyes on him. He likes to do what we call move around a lot. And so my grandson was like this boy in the story. Well, this mother, young mother, had this young whippersnapper, this young five-year-old boy. And the five-year-old boy was just running around doing what my grandson does, just grabbing stuff, messing with stuff. And she's trying to buy what she wants to buy and get what she wants to get. And the grandson's going under the clothes rack. He's 5, 10, 20 feet away. She has to go through the store to find him. And after a while, the old boy, the young boy got tired and found in those little rack stores a little place to nest. He took some of the clothes off the rack, put them down on the floor, laid his little head underneath the clothing rack. And this young mother, because she was with her mother, somehow lost track of him, assuming that the grandmother has the child. Well, this young boy goes under that little rack and, oh man, all the noise and all the walking just helps him sleep good. So he's under there nesting, sleeping good. After a while, because nobody sees him and he's asleep, he wakes up and it's dark in there. And so there's a police officer because the alarm went off as the boy gets up out of his wonderful sleep and sees that he's locked up, the place is locked up, it's dark, and he's in there by himself. Sets the alarm off. So the police go through and they shine the light and they see this young five-year-old boy. Five-year-old boy is sitting there scared to death. So they call the owner of the store and tell him, say, listen, you need to open up the door. We found a little young boy in there and they open up the door and they come in there and they ask the young boy, say, hey, hey, buddy, what's going on? What are you doing here? He says, he says, well, what's your mother's name? He said, Mom. He said, well, that makes it a better challenge. He said, well, listen. And he's crying. He said, listen, I want to get you home to your mom. But I need your help. He said, what is your address? He says, I don't know. He said, well, we got to figure this one out. He said, well, then tell me. Uh, how do you get to your house? He said, I don't know. I want my mom. He said, okay, hold on. I'm going to help you out. He says, can you tell me about the neighborhood? Uh, uh, how far away you live? He said, I don't know. He said, well, there's got to be something that you know or that you remember. He says, is, is there any big buildings? He said, yes. He said, well, what, 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 what's by those buildings? He said, well, when you go to my house, there's a railroad track. He said, okay, okay, all right. Officer, smooth as, smooth as can be. He's, we're making headway. He says, there's a railroad track? He said, yes. He said, how do you know there's a railroad track by your house? He, can, he said, because we play close to the railroad track. He said, well, where do you play? He said, at, at, by my house, just a couple of houses away, there's a steeple. He said, up on top of the steeple, there's a cross. He said, huh? He said, yes. He said, but I'll tell you what, little boy. He's, he's excited now because he's connected the railroad track and now he's connected the steeple and he's, he's connected the cross. He said, I'll tell you what, sir. He says, if you can get me to the cross, I can find my way. The lesson that you learn out of that, if anybody, I don't care what condition you're in, I don't care what's going on in your life. This is the church, right? 
no matter what we are dealing with, if somehow God can keep us connected to the cross, we can find our way. To those of you that are watching and listening, all you need is the cross. What is the cross? It's where God paid the sacrifice. It takes away the guilt of man. The impurities. Hmm. It takes away all of those things if we can get to the cross. My father used to sing a song, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now, everybody say now. now. Come on, act like you're in the Holy Church. Say now. now. And now I am happy all the day. You know what? Don't worry about what it looks like. Olivet United Methodist Church. One thing that we have as a security is we've got the cross. Jesus died on the cross and he gave us himself. And so he lives in us. So it doesn't matter what tomorrow or what yesterday presented. It only matters about right now. What do we do now? I shall lift up my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. Where does that help come from? It comes, y'all talk back to me now. It comes from who? It comes from the Lord. So every day you get up, those of you that are watching, those of you who are in here, say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengthens me. He kept me alive, and he strengthened me to be a blessing to the world, to be a blessing to my neighborhood, to be a blessing to my church members, to be a blessing to my family, so I'm not living to die. I'm, I'm not living. I'm living to live. Because as long as God keeps me alive, I'll keep glorifying his name. I'll keep blessing him because he loves me. I love you. Because he loves me, I love my neighborhood. Because he loves me, I love my community. And that love is like a wildfire. If you turn on and look at the fires in, in California, it started with a little heat. It started in a little space, and because it was so hot, it began to spread. And that's what love does. Love covers a multitude of faults. Do you think Miss Brenda would be in love with a chubby fellow like myself? Amen. With all my imperfections? No. Her love covers all of that stuff. And that's what God's love is like. God loves us, and because he loves us so much, he covers us. And love covers a multitude of faults. Because of that, God has kept us alive so that we can be the change in our community, our city, our state, and our world. I thank you all for allowing me to greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Because God sent me here to let you know that I love you. I'm concerned about our community. I'm concerned about our city. And I'm concerned about our world. But God kept us here to be the change in our world. God bless you and God keep you. Thank you so much. Amen. Give um, Brother Bruce Carpenter a round of applause and then. Amen. If you're joining us by way of television and radio, you'll want to turn with us to our scripture lesson, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And we'll be dealing with 7 through 11. Next week, reading from Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And Mike, would you make your way up to the pulpit? The mission of the 12, we find, it's also recorded in Matthew chapter 10 and following. Then Jesus called the 12, as he calls you and I together in worship today, and gave them power. And that same power is available to you and I and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. And that's one of our requirements, too, to the church, the kingdom of God, and to heal. And Jesus said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Wherever they do not welcome you as you are leaving that town, shake the dust. 
the dust off your feet as a testimony. Say it with me, testimony. Testimony. Testimony against them. They departed and went through the village bringing the good news, good news and curing diseases everywhere. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I have a quick note before I start my lay sermon. It was written by Eli, the young five-year-old that was, unfortunately. I don't want to sugarcoat it, but I will say he's not dead. He graduated. He'll never have a tear. He'll never have worry. He'll never have fear. He's in the loving care in arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he sent a question via uh, Facebook or a text. He says, I treasure my conversation with Eli, our conversation this morning. Eli is the young boy that was killed or graduated. Eli said, what does God's grace look like? The answer was, God's grace looks like love. It's like when something, someone makes a mistake and you say it's okay, I still love you. Like when I am in a bad mood, but you still love me. Eli said, oh yeah, I'm going to go to school and teach my friends about God's grace. Hallelujah. The young man's graduated. Jesus knew his disciples would be delegated a portion of God's powers, so he called on them. He said, come. When they arrived, he granted them his authority and power to say, do the same things that he had been doing, miracles. In other words, he, equi he equipped them with the same godly power that he had. He then endowed everyone in the world, or will ever be in the world, with his Holy Spirit after his death. Do not doubt this. You've been grown to the same authority and power as Jesus had, because we are beloved children of God. Because you are a child of God, you inherited Jesus' authority. Do you doubt that? I do sometimes. But I would suggest and encourage all of you to use your faith in God the Father through Jesus Christ to see what great things can and may do through you. I didn't say because of you. I said through you. Brothers and sisters, we are all containers and vessels of the very power that made Jesus able to do miracles. Again, I'll say it. You'll do works not because of you. He'll do works through you. Jesus sent the disciples forward to preach and proclaim the word and give news of the kingdom. In verse 3, he told them, don't bring anything. I thought about that. Why would Jesus tell them not to bring anything on the journey to go spread the word? It was so that they would not depend on themselves and their own property belongings to make the journey of spreading the word. He wanted their sustenance and their abilities to come from on high. They should use their faith in Jesus Christ and depend on the generous, generosity of others through Jesus to get the job done of spreading the word. He wanted their dependence on God alone. He didn't want them to depend on what's in the case, what did I bring with, what did I forget? He wanted their dependence to be on God and the Son, Jesus Christ, alone. In verse 5, he told them to preach the word, and whoever did not receive them, to shake the dust off their feet. That seems odd, but I thought about it. It was common for the Jewish people back then, if they went and spread the, the good news about what they were worshiping and they were rejected, what they would do is shake the dust off their feet from that place. I thought about that, and I thought, oh, symbolically, it makes sense. They didn't want to bring anything back from the people that rejected that, their message, back to home, to Israel. Considering everything I've been through, I don't know or think that God has given me a power of healing, despite everything I've been through, dying three or four times, going to heaven, coming back. But then I thought about it, I said, well, how would I know I have God-given powers Unless I try to use them. What good does something kept in the case to anybody? It doesn't, it's not any good. It's not worth anything unless you unpackage it and take it out of the case. So I, I thought, whether we notice them or not, miracles are all around us. God still works with us and with others right in front of our faces. How do we know this? 
One reason we may not see miracles is the general lack of faith, not only of ourselves, but the people around us. And write this down. I reference Matthew 13, verse 58. Some say miracles in the New Testament were only to convince people that Jesus was indeed the Christ, and therefore we're not, we don't need any miracles anymore today. That seems kind of shaking to me. Why do people still seek wonders and signs when they already have that? God's got us covered. The third reason we may not see as many miracles today is they're possible, but they're not the norm. And the people around us are evil. And so are we, unfortunately, until we get home. So we shouldn't expect them. I thought, well, that sounds kind of cold. But then I referenced Luke chapter 11, verse 29. And I've come to this conclusion. I can't prove that God helped you with anything you've recovered. But on the other hand, how can you prove that God didn't? You are unable to prove that God didn't help you find your long-lost uh, uh, treasure or your family member or your friend. I can't prove that God helped you, but again, you can't prove that God didn't help you. Whether we notice them or not, through the sermon, we should notice them. We shouldn't worry that miracles seem rare or abnormal. We should strive to find God's actions and presence in everyday occurrences in our lives. God does not perform miracles like rising people from the dead or walking on water, or not that I've seen anyway. But more often than not, he is performing small, anonymous acts of love in your life and on your behalf. We can possibly write them off as old, oh, that's coincidence or just luck. No, probably not. Because that is not what they may be. It is God actively participating in yours and everyone else's lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We um, really need to pray for that Eli's. And um, I brought that name before you just a few weeks ago. Because a good friend of mine, Pastor Wayne Swanson, who pastors of Fridley United Methodist Church, one of his twin sons um, overdosed. And I continue to remember um, Fridley United Methodist Church and the death of one of his twin sons. Then also here just a few years ago, Pastor Bruce Conan's wife passed away. And, and I'm sure Bruce has met another gal in Ukraine. And I'll be doing that um, um, wedding service here in a few weeks. Our scripture reminds us of these verses that contain our Lord's instructions. Now, if you've ever had the experience of getting a toy for your child or your grandchild and it says easily assembled instructions, it only takes 10 to 15 minutes and you think, oh, you know, I don't need to read the instructions. But you find yourself coming back to the instructions in a few hours and the simple steps that are required and God is giving us certain instructions here in these verses here to the apostles, to the followers, to the preachers, to, to the teachers, to any Christian, if you consider yourself to be Christ-like, to be, to be a Christian, when he sent them forth the first time to preach and witness and give their testimony and uh, the good news of the gospel. in. The passage is one which throws much light on the, the work of, of Christians. Many Christians have fallen short. I, I thank God for this congregation that it brings loved ones to church, brings loved ones to Christ, and those of every age. No doubt the miraculous power which the apostles possessed made their position very unlike that of any other body of the church of today. But we need to pl plug into that power, we need to plug into that authority, and no doubt in many respects they, they stood alone in their day and time. They stood alone, as sometimes you and I, we need to stand alone. And they had no successors at the time, yet the words of our Lord in this place must not be confined entirely to the apostles, entirely to the the eisegesis of scripture, but 
but to the exegesis of the whole body of those who follow Christ. They, they can contain deep wisdom for Christian teachers and preachers and in Christian followers for all time. Well, let us observe that the commission, that commission to the apostles contains specific reference to the devil, reference to the devil and bodily sicknesses. We, we read that Jesus gave them authority all, over all the devils and to cure diseases. We see here, see here as, in, as in the glass, two of the principal parts of the Christian business. We must expect to cast out evil spirits, but we, we may fairly expect that we should always resist the devil and the devil's works and to keep up this constant warfare against the, the prince of this world. We must not expect to work miraculous cures under our own power, but under the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit, but we may expect all to take this special interest. You should take special interest in all sick persons too. That's why I circulate cards periodically, because it's, it, it's praying for the sick, it's, it's encouraging the sick, it's getting a letter, a note in the mail, or a, a personal call if you're sick, and to pray people over the phone, to visit them, to sympathize with them, to help them, to visit them, if needful, as far as one can. Due to COVID, it's a little bit more difficult, but as far as I know, Falsi or Fuchi never said that we could contract this disease over the telephone. And Christians who neglect the sick members of the body or the flock are no true Christians at all. One must not be surprised if people say that they forget the cures of the fleece. The fleece were imitation Christians fleecing the flock and more than their health, pray for the health and the welfare of others, bodies of Christ. And the Christian who allows drunkenness or blasphemy or uncleanness or fighting or reveling and the like to go on among the congregation unreproved is omitting a plain duty, a duty of the Christian office. One is not warring against the devil. One is a true successor of the, the, the apostles. It's true that we, our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and forces that we do not see. And let us observe, secondly, that one of the principal works, the principal works of a Christian, which the apostles were commissioned to take up, was the sharing, was the sharing of the good news. We are all called to be the body of Christ. We're all called to be ministers. We're all called to be preachers. We read that our Lord sent them to preach, to teach, to witness, to give testimony of the kingdom of God, and that they went through the towns sharing and preaching and teaching and caring for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And the importance of witnessing, witnessing to your neighbors and witnessing to people around you as a means of grace must easily be gathered from this passage, even if it were to stand alone. But it is by, but one instance among many of the high value, the high value with the, which the Bible everywhere sets upon your sharing. I've had individuals in my ministry that have said, well, they've taken me aside and they said, well, Pastor, it's, it's your, your to, to preach from the pulpit. And I've had to correct him. No, according to the Bible, we all are called to be preachers. We're all called to be ministers of this grace and this good news to give testimony to what God has done in our lives that the ABCs of all of us have sinned and fallen the short of the glory of God from pulpit to pew that we need to be, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then see, we need to confess him as our Lord and Savior. But it's sinners... Sinners are converted, inquirers are, are led on, and, and saints build up. A very teaching, preaching, witnessing, sharing the testimony of Christians. Ministry is absolutely essential to the health and the, and the prosperity of a visible church. The pulpit, the pew, is a place where the chief victories of the gospel have always been won. The, 
and no church has ever done much for the advancement of true religion in which the Christians have not been the salt, have not been the light, have not been the leaven to the world. If they've neglected it, their churches have begun to die. Would we know whether a Christian is truly part of the apostolic, the apostolic succession? If they are, they will give the best of their attention to sharing Christ and sharing the testimonies that they have. They will labor and they will pray to make their teaching, their preaching, their sharing, their testimony effective, and they will tell one another that they will look to their sharing, their testimony, they, they're praying as the chief results on the souls of others. The Christian who exalts the sacraments or forms of the church above sharing their testimony and sharing their preaching or their teaching, they may be zealous, they may be earnest, they may be conscientious and respectable Christians, but their zeal is not according to the knowledge of the Bible. They are not a follower of the apostolic succession of the apostles and the disciples of Jesus Christ. And let us observe thirdly that our Lord charges, he gives us a charge, a charge to the followers of Christ when he sends them forth and he says, to simply study the simplicity of their habits, study the contentment with such things as they've done. And he bids them take nothing for their journey, neither staves, nor scrip, nor bread, nor money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house ye enter into, there they abide and thence depart. In part, these instructions apply only to that particular period. There, but there came a day when our Lord himself moved from the house to the temple, from the road to the sanctuary, and everyone had, as according to Luke chapter 22, verse 36, no sword to sell their garments and to buy one. But in part, these instructions contain a lesson for all, all time, a lesson for you and a lesson for myself. The spirit of these verses is meant to be remembered by all who bear the gospel of good news. And the leading idea which the words convey is a warning against worldliness, worldliness and luxurious habits. Well would it be for the world and the church if, if the warning had been more carefully heeded. From no quarter has Christianity received such damage as it has from the, the prosperity gospel and the hands of sometimes their own so-called gifted Christians. On no point has followers erred so much and so often as in the matter of personal worldliness and the luxury of life. Christians trying to talk to talk but not walk the walk, they have often destroyed by their daily lives the whole work of their lives. They have given occasion to the enemies of religion to say that they love ease, they love money, they love their beverages, their drinks, and, and good things far more than the souls of the unsaved. From such Christians may we pray daily that the church may be delivered. They are, as the epistles say, they are living, living, living stumbling blocks, stumbling blocks in the way to heaven. They are helpers to the cause of the devil and not of God. These Christians whose affections are set on money and dress and feasting and pleasure-seeking has clearly mistaken, mistaken their vocation. They have forgotten his master's instructions. They are not a part of the apostolic line. And let us observe lastly, as we close, for those by way of television and radio and other means, we are grateful for the television local station that makes this possible and Oftentimes when we go longer, they extend that time and they bump their other programs because their appreciation and their sensitivity to those who are shut-ins and those who are unable to come and they allow parameters to our discussions of scripture. And let us observe lastly that our Lord prepares, our Lord prepares his disciples, his followers, that apostolic succession to meet with unbelief and meet with an impenitence in those to whom 
they were called to share and witness to and preach and share. He speaks, Jesus speaks, of those who will not receive, who will not receive them as a class which they must expect to see. He tells them how to behave when not received, as if it was a state of things to which they must make up their mind. All Christians of the gospel would do well to read carefully this portion of our Lord's instructions. All missionaries, followers of Christ, leaders, and Sunday school teachers would do well to lay it to heart that they are called. Let them not be cast down if their work seems in vain and their labor without profit. Let them remember that the very first preachers, the very first teachers, the very first bearers of witness and a testimony whom Jesus employed were sent forth with this distinct warning, a warning that not all, that not all would believe. Let them work on patiently and sow the good seed. We are called to sow the good seed without fainting. Duties, duties are ours. Events, events are God's. Apostles may plant, apostles may water, but the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit alone can give spiritual life. The Lord Jesus knows what is in the heart of a person. He does not despise his labors because little of the seed they sow may bear fruit. But the harvest may be small, as Jesus said, but every laborer shall be rewarded according to their work. Father God, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we realize, O oh Lord, that we need to be patient. Seeding time, preparation of the souls, the soil and the souls are, are ours, and we're, we're not to faint. Our duty is before us, but the events of life are God's. You and I, we may plant, we may water, but the Holy Ghost alone can give spiritual life. The Lord Jesus Christ knows what is in the heart of persons. The Lord Jesus knows the heart of those by radio and by television, listening by Facebook and other means. And I appreciate their prayers. And we're witnessing some very difficult times in all churches. We pray for Eli and his situation that was brought before us. We pray for the pastor of Fridley United Methodist Church. We pray for Pilgrim United Methodist Church, Bruce Cronin, as, as I conduct his wedding here in a few days. God says he does not despise his laborers because little of the seed they sow bears fruit. The harvest may be small, but every labor, laborer shall be rewarded according to their work. Lord, help us to be noted that, that Judas, Judas Iscariot, was a false apostle and traitor, was one of the, those 12 whom our Lord sent forth to, to preach, to teach, to witness, and share, and heal the sick. And it must not surprise us if we see unconverted teachers and preachers and so-called Christians and ministers of the gospel. Our Lord permitted one to be in the number of his apostles in order to show that we must expect to see the evil mingled with the good in this world. The highest ecclesiastical office and dignity afford no proof that a person has the grace of God. And Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, May we pray together, dear Jesus, give us a testimony that is pure and innocent before thee, that we have sinned, we have fallen short of your glory in things we've done and left undone. Give us the grace of your Holy Spirit to go onward and upward. In Jesus' name, amen. As we turn to our offertory prayer here, I don't know if we're circulating the offering plates at this time or leaving them at the back of the church, but let us turn to our offertory prayer and join me in this prayer printed in our bulletins. Eternal God, our time in this life is limited and our days are numbered, yet you have reminded us that if we are wise and use that time well, you have an eternity waiting for us that is beyond our imagining. Help us to focus on what we have and what we can share, and how the gifts we offer this day can bless others. 
until we are joined with them and your children give you their thanks and gratitude for all the rest of eternity. In Christ we pray. Amen. As the ushers come and circulate the offering plate and place it on the altar this morning, let us turn to our offertory hymn, Be Thou My Vision, purple number 451, please. Please stand with me. Patient and merciful God, we hear your call to live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Our ears hear these words in our worship, our minds know what they mean, our hearts long to follow them, but we know that tomorrow we will be tempted to slip into the familiar life where we ourselves are at the center of our world and the needs we focus on are almost entirely our own. In our giving this day, help us to strengthen our resolve to love as Christ loves, for it is in the name of Christ Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. 